I'm Chris Biddle and welcome to episode 44 of Inside AgriTurf. Now it's, it's September, the start of a new school year, and let's hope that some sense of normality can return to classrooms up and down the land. Now in episode 42 of Inside AgriTurf, I talked to Andy Lukins, who has the impressive title of Talent Acquisition Manager at RDO Equipment Limited, based in Fargo, North Dakota, one of the world's largest farm equipment dealerships who operates 75 branches across nine states in the US, as well as several international operations. Here's what he had to say about educating children and what should be the starting point for that engagement. Yeah, Chris, so I think the, the most important thing for us in, in terms of engaging talent is, is to find all levels of, of talent. And, and we do that by starting at the, at the pre-K to the secondary schools, into the colleges, and even more importantly, talking to the parents uh, and we do so really kind of a lot of people grow up with the fascination of, of big tractors. And, yes, of course. And the goal is to keep that fire lit within them and, and want, wanting them to be excited about it. And so if we capture them when they're young and they're playing in the sandbox and those kinds of things, we then get to kind of just keep them excited about the technology that is there because a lot of us uh, don't realize what is in the machine today there he was clear that the seeds of interest in their industry sector should be sown at primary school making sure to keep the fire lit over the following years so what about the uk with our rich heritage in farming food production and innovation it increasingly means introducing young children to STEM subjects, that's science, technology, engineering and maths, which are best taught through an involvement in practical problem-solving projects involving elements of all those four disciplines. STEM subjects are only partly included in the national curriculum, so it often comes down to schools offering a STEM club out of hours. Fortunately, many organisations recognise the urgent need for the early education of the scientists and engineers of the future, and that no time should be wasted in sowing the STEM seeds. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Josh Payne, the Education Manager for the National Farmers Union. The NFU have developed a bold programme to support teachers with a range of STEM resources conveying important messages to young people about food, farming and nutrition. And as I'm a very long way from my school days, I'm also joined by Emma Foyle with a view from the sharp end. Emma is Deputy Head of Starfield Infant School in Bournemouth, part of Twynham Learning, a charitable trust comprising a family of six schools on the Dorset coast. And she has a particular interest in developing meaningful learning content for primary school children. So welcome to you both. Uh, Emma, first, I'm sure you are hoping for a more normal school environment that has been the case during the past uh, year or so. Yes, no, that, that's the intention. So um, after sort of a, a year of stag staggered starts and um, bubbles, children, you know, in their bubble groups, um, we're hoping to get back to normal, yes, when we see what happens uh, and presumably josh your rollout of all your initiatives have, have, have been disrupted massively over the last couple of years have they 
Yeah, absolutely. And we, we've done a lot to adapt to go virtual. And I've actually had the best ever year the NFU's ever seen on record by a long way in terms of students oh. we've been involved with. So, yeah, there's got to be some uh, some silver linings, haven't there? Been oh, excellent. From the pandemic. Uh, so, so Josh, uh, just um, explain uh, your background. You're, you're the, uh, the education manager for the National Farmers Union. What, what's your background, and, and the, what, what's your brief? So, yeah, I'm absolutely not a farmer, or from a farming family. Well, I say I say slightly. Maternal grandfather is is a farmer, though is now in his nineties, so uh, does very little rather than. Uh, making sure the dogs are fed and <laughs> out and about. Uh, and I've always come into the NFU and my mandate has been as an educationalist. So uh, I started out teaching primary. I taught, um, I trained at the University of Hull as a primary school teacher, uh, did two years teaching in inner city Birmingham, area called Allen Rock in a huge uh, four-form entry primary school, um, kind of in a, in a majority kind of Asian Muslim area. Then left that fairly fairly quickly, and anyone who's who's taught or is still currently teaching knows uh, quite how hard a job it is to teach. And moved out into a charity in Leamington Spa called the Small Peace Trust, um, which at the time was a huge diversion. Spent around five years working there, initially delivering STEM workshops and a, a lot to do with getting students interested in engineering careers. And that very much developed into a project management role. Um, so at four years ago, I, I finished managing a huge project for GCHQ, trying to get teenagers involved in cybersecurity and uh, jumped ship into the world of agriculture. Um, and here you are. <laughs> yes, with a very open brief as well. It was a fantastic, the job just leapt out to me when, when offered from the NFU in terms of it was an open brief that hadn't been an education team in-house for kind of a good 15 years. And it was kind of, what should we do? You know, we've got a, a building full of people who massively understand agriculture, agricultural policy, communications, lobbying. But where does education fit in with that? And that their support essentially around to work in an education programme. And it went from there. And kind of my mandate now sits across so many different things. I, I do get involved in all those teams. So we look at kind of how we can, can lobby government to make sure that, that schools are teaching about food and farming. Um, and then kind of very different briefs in terms of the fact that every student that we interact with will be a consumer in the future. Equally, there's job opportunities in agriculture, there's skills required within agriculture. And, you know, how do we get in front of teachers? Because that is our, our biggest mandate, essentially. My job is to make sure that we have projects and initiatives that will engage schools to teach about farming. And that's not easy because it's not on the curriculum. Yeah, And it's very much at the moment, my kind of impetus is looking at how do we use farming as a context for teaching and a, a context for learning. And that's where we're going now. And we can talk about, well, I'm sure we are going to talk about all the different projects that we're working on at yeah, the moment. Yes, yes, indeed. So that's so, very much the mandate as we yeah, go forward. Yeah. So we are talking about this this quartet of, of STEM, uh, science, yeah. technology, engineering and maths. So, so do you use agriculture to drive interest in STEM subjects or is it? Is it a chicken and egg thing? Are you use STEM as a, a gateway to teaching about agriculture? I'd say it's a double-edged sword. Um, we like to go both very much like to focus on, on both aspects in terms of the fact that agriculture is a fantastic context for STEM learning. Equally, agriculture is a, a great way to teach about, to teach STEM itself and get children and young people more fi fired up to learn those subjects. 
is there growing interest in in farming and uh, food production and uh, obviously the environment comes into it do, do you find that uh, your your job is 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 more receptive out there as, as you talk about all the things that you need to get across? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the bottom line is, and the reason that I've always said that using it as a context rather than just the content is the best way to go is that everybody eats three meals a day. Yeah. It's, it's a subject that's accessible to every single child within a school. Well, you'd hope that all of them are having are eating something in the day and then that's a whole nother kind of kettle of fish to go down. But actually, it's something that everyone understands, at least in some way, and actually teachers are very receptive to it. So we did some YouGov work in May when we released a new report about teaching agriculture through the STEM through agriculture and kind of a high, high percentage of teachers viewed it important to teach about food and farming. So we were always really well received. And then it kind of when you can show people how to join the dots to actually start to teach different subjects through agriculture, it's a no brainer. Uh, indeed. Uh, and so why are, why are primary schools an ideal starting point? I mean, you can never be too young, presumably, to uh, get the message across. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I taught primary and all the research shows and one of my biggest frustrations in my previous role as well when doing the engineering education was that people quite simply start things too late in terms of careers and also in terms of forming like the conceptions and misconceptions and preconceptions that young young people have often by the time they're about 13 14 they've all been developing from around kind of seven eight kind of lower key stage two in primary they're starting to get those ideas of kind of gm for example that if they'll hit they'll, they'll hear something like gma go around from that age but they haven't actually learned about it and it's the same with the STEM subjects. Research shows that actually the time that young people and children are most engaged with learning science is in upper key stage two at year five and year six. And then they soon by the time they get to kind of lower key stage three, midway through about year eight, they're really science really starts to drop off in terms of interest. And you, there's a lot of work going on about how do we combat that in schools. But a lot of it is by making sure that actually by the time they leave primary school, they're really enthusiastic about STEM. And actually, they want to pursue it because at the end of the day, and this was the argument I always had with my previous employer, not the NFU, is that we'd be going in and running workshops at year nine when they're kind of 14, 15. And you, it, you're just trying to stick a plaster on the problem. You know, they need to have had meaningful interaction right up to that point when they're starting to make subject choices. And there's some really good research from King's College London around something called Science Capital. And it talks about actually giving children access to role models, to actually access to proper scientists and engineers. And they've got to do that from an early age. Um, and that's why we started with primary. And actually kind of four years on now, we've really started to put some kind of robust measures in place at primary. And now we're looking at secondary this year. But, you know, we're, but we're only starting to look at secondary in year five of what yeah. we're doing. Uh, so uh, presumably you can only be as effective uh, as the message that you can get get across to teachers because yep. they are the imparters of, of knowledge and uh, of various projects. Um, how do you how do you build that network of teachers? Um, it's a constant job. <laughs> I'd say it's probably about eighty percent of my job role is making sure teachers know what we're doing, um, and it's very much been about building a base of supporters and champions um, from multiple different organisations. So we have great relationships with people like the Association for Science Education, the Primary Science Teaching Trust, lots of the different universities that are offering initial teacher training, um, and we part we pair that with kind of some really strong marketing activity. So 
we work with a company that has a database of 150,000 primary school teachers in the UK to do email and digital marketing. And that's something we've found really effective, but very much we've had to build and we've had to understand how that all works before, you know, year four now, we had our biggest year, we, we reached 250,000 students this year. But that was through a massive range of different sources of people we work with. And definitely not forgetting that we're part of a membership organisation that has kind of almost 60,000 farmers um, who all can play their part and tell local schools what's happening. And it's fantastic. Kind of I often hear from a member, someone will just send me an email and go, I've got three local schools that I'd love to be learning more about farming. And I'll say, well, here's all the tools. Give them the toolkit. Here's a A4 side of paper with, with the, like, the lingo that they're going to understand. Um, and then you can fill in the gaps, you know, if they want to have a farmer and run an assembly or if they want to ask questions or send letters or anything like that. That's where our members can support. So, so Emma, it, 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 what's the interest you feel in STEM subjects within your school um, and your age groups? And do you rely on uh, people like Josh and all other outside organisations to be able to bolster uh, your, your knowledge bank? Yeah, I mean, as as I um, think I mentioned earlier, we have had a STEM club in school. I, at the moment, I'm teaching in a, an infant school. Um, so that, that was with the young children, the sort of five, six, seven-year-olds. And actually, it, it was an external, um, they were external professionals. So it wasn't something we did within the school. It was an extra club. And I, I think that we are in a position now where, the youngest children really need to be involved in in STEM subjects and and trying to make it a lot more practical and linking to real life. And I think particularly now, you know, I think that we've got potential food shortages in in the shops, haven't we? So, you know, with the lorry driver strikes and things. So I, I really think it's important that children get an understanding of where our food comes from, how it grows, and then linking it to the local community, for example, by selling the food, making their own shops, you know, and like you said, writing to local producers. So it is it really is about linking it to real life, I think, for the younger children. I think the younger you can start, the better. And, and indeed, this is it is not necessarily about um, uh, classroom teaching. This is uh, teaching by doing, is yes. it? And, and, and I think... Um, I think, Josh, I mean, you've got a number of um, uh, initiatives, uh, uh, one of which is uh, Farmvention, which I do know has been running for two or three years. Uh, tell me about Farmvention. Yeah, so this, this was the first kind of meeting project that I got off the ground for the NFU when I started. And it's, we've just closed our third, third year of the competition. And okay. the whole concept is essentially, just as we were saying, getting some real life problems, real life context. Mm-hmm and get children to complete a challenge around it to actually, you know, farming, they're going to be the future essentially of those coming up with ideas and developments in farming. Let's get them having a go now. So the whole point of each, each year has been for them to come up with a farming invention. Um, we support it with resources that are linked to the curriculum uh, written by the Association for Science Education. Uh, last year, we also made some 3D tours of farms. We knew it was going to be really difficult to get out on farm due, due to the pandemic. And so you can actually go around and have a look and then they they come up with these fantastic ideas and honestly going through the judging is so much fun because you can see what's in what's inside the brain of a primary well, age child was, was this actually a positive outcome of the pandemic that that uh, you you created the 3d uh, farm which, which which may well come into use in in the future 
Yeah, absolutely. So even even in the space of the last 12 months, we created four 3D tours funded by the NFU, but we've actually just about to finish for filming another four fully funded by the Royal Academy of Engineering. And that's going to give access to agricultural engineering workspaces. Um, and that's part of a pitch we could show that actually we've made the concept work and had a fantastic week uh, last week, in fact, at Syngenta and um, down in Berkshire looking inside a uh, all of their, their process engineering going on and some huge distillation towers and making crystals and plant protection products um, for farmers. And we've got a real mix. We've done one at Half Radoms as well um, with some huge drones, things like that. Um, and all of that funding has come from the fact that actually we tried it. We tried it once in terms of the pandemic and that's that's led to a whole new project come out of that um, that, will, that will benefit. And tell me, is our interest uh, equal between boys and girls i mean uh, do, do you find that equally interested in all the stem subjects yeah absolutely i think at primary especially and this is this is another kind of reason to start early is there's very much less of a divide i find in terms of interest they're all really excited and engaged mm. um is that I what you find emma yeah definitely i mean the, the youngest children they they are just so thirsty for they just love learning and I think if you can make it as practical and hands-on inquiry-based learning um they 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 lap it up and um I haven't found a particular gender divide either the girls as much as the boys Uh, presumably uh you you you, what are you now in the third year then Josh of Farm Ventures yeah we've Um, just finished the third year what what um what what did you learn I mean obviously out of the first edition uh were there were there things that you had substantially change or alter yeah no we've tweaked it quite a lot uh, in over the three years in terms of kind of what works as a prize um to get get people engaged um a lot of it's been technical in terms of actually just the mechanics behind which the guys at the NFU we've got all our own house web team for example who do all the back end of stuff and it was a real challenge for them it was something brand new for them to do in terms of how we handle data and things coming in so all of that's been a massive learning curve for them and we're still learning with it we're actually having a rest year with it um this year due to the pandemic and other virtual stuff that's actually been a lot more successful um because we did our first batch of live lessons in in march for british science week that had over two hundred thousand students involved in it which is a huge number so we're looking how we build on that success but also just time to to take some time out and look at you know how we can make it better and one of the main things we want to look at as well is how we can make it more inclusive and um diverse in terms of the students that take part um competitions are great and we've had some fantastic winners some really really wonderful things come through but we're looking at actually how do we reach those those entries often come from students who are from a more affluent background Mm. who've got more support from from home and we want to look at actually how do we best support schools that where you've got a large number of students where that doesn't happen so we're looking at potentially moving away from a competition mechanic uh, next year in September 2022 and doing more of a kind of project-based learning um, where a lot more of the funding will go into providing resources for schools and supporting those schools by giving them more access to ambassadors, farmers, engineers, people who can get in there. But it's all it's all a learning curve and it's yeah. fantastic. And we've got some great people we're working with different universities and things like that who are doing tons of research into how do you effectively work with schools to do things like this and how important is it to to get parents involved and um do you do you actively try and engage with parents at all 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's some really great examples of, you know, that, that is one of the bonuses of the competition side of things. You often get parents more involved. And equally with our STEM enterprise resources, we often run farmers markets at the end of the um, the end of the product. So when they've made something, they've grown something, they sell it to parents and carers. It's it's just so vital, though. Is the bottom line you, you see it all the way through in terms of key decision makers and key influences in children's lives and what subjects going to take and where they're going to pursue. They're the biggest role models, you know. Getting kind of those preconceptions and misconceptions that parents have had that are often more way more deep rooted than the children have got is is a massive thing for us as well. I seem to to think that one of the categories of the Farmvention first edition was for the children to design a tractor um, yeah. and I know I covered this for one of the magazines I was editing at the time and and what was very interesting is that two of the winners were in the city schools um, and you would think that they would not necessarily have access or be able to see what was going on in the countryside as much as rural communities. Um, is this one of the advantages of, of, of your program particularly that you can get the message across more effectively into into inner cities and, and and what is the interest level there yeah absolutely i mean we we like to target everywhere for kind of many reasons but those inner city locations are fantastic opportunities for us to actually get in front of those children and you know it is difficult to get out somewhere like so if you're in inner city london even getting out on a farm you know it's, it's a quite a distance to go and I, I know when ronald ross who are the eventual winners um, in that first year, went out on farm for the first time in Surrey with a, a farmer called Paula Matthews. They had the most wonderful day. Um, I think only about three out of the class of 30 had ever been on a farm before. And it goes right back to that point, you kind of about misconception, preconceptions. You know, how can you understand about farming if you've never been on a farm? Yeah, and, it, and it's wonderful. But at the same time, what's great with the competition me- mechanic is you some of those ideas that come from those children from inner city schools, they're not they're not boxed in what they already know no. <laughs> they're not limited by no, no. well you know and, and this is the exciting thing i expect you find emma that um, as we get older we've got preconceived ideas about all sorts of things but the kids have got a free thinking mind haven't they yeah i mean there are no limits are there and um you know they there's very much i think the curriculum at the moment is very much knowledge based and i think that that is that's some of the, some of the constraints and the challenges in schools because it, the the curriculum at the moment is very much knowledge based. For example, in Key Stage One, it's very specific about what children should know, and obviously, teachers' time is very precious. Uh, that's why things like your website, Josh, are really helpful because it's you've got there you've got your videos you've got your links you've got your lesson plans and that's what teachers need you know in the past I have obviously taken children to farms but obviously it takes a lot of organization and it's got to link in with the bigger journey of their of their um, learning so but it is absolutely vital it's really important because you don't want their learning to be in boxes you want them to be able to make those links to real life and, and to get them interested in growing food, agricultural uh, technology. Yeah. And and uh, your other major initiative, or one of the other ones, Josh, is the STEM to Have I pronounced it? Yeah, STEM to Prize? Yeah. STEM to Prize. T- tell me about that. 
this is a really good segue and time to talk about this because it's essentially what Emma was exactly what Emma was just saying in terms of the fact that you need to have that you've got that knowledge-based curriculum but you want to be able to teach them the skills and everything links into that um, and I, I can take very little credit for STEM to prize but it's actually it's been largely written um, by a colleague of mine Jenny and when she started the interview she pitched this idea and it was fantastic and it was very much kind of run with this which was to take the national curriculum for each for each year group from kind of year one to year six we're dealing with primary and almost to turn the idea of resource development on its head so rather than to kind of say well we want to teach this and then how are we going to link it to the curriculum she took the curriculum looked at each year group what needed to be taught predominantly in science in terms of the knowledge but then also the math that was there she used to be a math lead before coming to the NFU in her previous school and how you could reinforce some of the math they were learning that year and then create a project when they start their own farm shop business but teaches the stuff they need to know that year because then it's obviously it's a fantastic tool for a teacher when you're trying to pl- do some kind of medium-term planning of what your science is going to look like and to give some context to growing, it's lovely growing things in a garden, but, you know, we're both ex-teachers, me and Jenny, and you know how full your timetable is. So it's fantastic, you know, because if for that year they need to know parts of a plant, for example, or asexual and sexual reproduction in plants, you do that as part of the growing process. So they may well be growing a tomato and some spring onion to create kind of a wrap or something for that year. But because there's an exact science lesson in there, then you know you, you're ticking off that knowledge bit of the curriculum as well while they're doing something that they're if they're having fun with they're engaged with and it's very much she'd taken what she'd learned from her te- her time teaching uh, she'd largely done similar projects with maths because children well not all children but a lot of children by the time they're at upper key stage two don't enjoy maths or see the point in maths but when they're trying to calculate profit and loss how much money they're going to get off their parents or their peers or their teachers when they <laughs> sell their tomato wrap that they've made they're engaged and they're involved and they're enjoying the learning and you're reinforcing all that math you're learning the science knowledge you're ticking all the kind of skills off that you've got to do for the dt curriculum and then engineering is a difficult one because it's actually not within the curriculum but product design and product development is is got all the key principles of engineering in there so you've got a truly stem project that teaches the knowledge gives them the skills and they're enjoying doing it and the feedback we get from the project all the time is fantastic mm-hmm. and presumably this has got quite a, a long um, time to uh, develop uh, presumably if they're starting these these projects how, how do you carry them through yeah absolutely well the whole point of the project is it's got most the the key stage one ones at infant school kind of have seven or eight and then at key stage two at junior school level they have 10 stages and the whole point is you know you do it over half a term and the they're they're working on it a little bit each week and that that's that was deliberate because actually the way that they retain things and the way that they actually learn and and you change misconception and preconceptions by having an extended exposure going out on farm is fantastic but it's it's for a day and especially i'm sure emma at infant school will easily be able to tell you that if you ask a child what they've done three days after they've been to a farm visit they probably won't remember they've been to the farm and they will have had a fantastic day actually it's like that's great unless you unless you do something with it going forward and and kind of go back to it and very much the vision for the for these resources you maybe you go to the farm at the start or you go to the farm at the end but you extend the learning way beyond a one-off interaction and and that links back to the science capital research that i talked about earlier you've got to have these continued interactions with different people and role models and projects and learning because that's how you actually get them to really really 
benefit from it. And then in turn, we as the NFU benefit from it and, and farming as a wider community benefits from the projects. Indeed. Uh, and without being so sexist about it, um, boys in particular um, have always been uh, interested in big boys' toys, big tractors <laughs> and, and, and so on. And that was often one of their first toys. Now, uh, there's been several uh, projects of, of taking tractors into schools and um, that, that's been going on. And it does seem to be a little bit fragmented at the moment in terms of, um, I think, the Suffolk Show Society have a or Lincolnshire. My audience is the tractor and machinery, agriculture machinery uh, industry. Um, could that industry be doing more to engage with you to open up? I, I know a lot of the dealers do and they bring young children in, but but that's almost on an individual basis. And there could there be uh, more of a structure to it so that we do uh, we do show off our wares to young children at a very early age. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's something that we're working on at the moment. And we released our report in May about using agriculture as a tool for STEM learning. And, and kind of one of the follow on activities with that is we are trying to get as many different organisations together to work in partnership. And that's one of the things we're looking at for the Farmvention competition in 2022 is how do we get more external people involved? And we've got some exciting names that I can't mention at this point. But uh, yeah, definitely there's some, some big manufacturers interested in, in Good. being involved with that um so what's it does, have to, yeah. does have to link like i said rather than just bringing a track to school into school for a day there's got to be some purpose for it uh, it's not just bringing in the tractor for the day because it's shiny yeah. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. They, they have a great time don't yes. get me wrong it's lovely to sit on a tractor but you it goes back to what schools need and what teachers need which is actually to have a proper learning outcome for it because otherwise the bottom line if you've got an offset inspector walking around the school that day which is the thing that a senior management team will talk to you well, well what was the point of a tractor yeah we in there actually that um that's so important it's it the context and the purpose is is number one children need to know why they are doing something or learning something and i, I always use the example of making a paper airplane as a one-off activity is great fun they love it they go outside see who's goes the furthest but they've got to have a certain either maybe at the end of a, a learning about um, aerodynamics and looking at how things fly and the shape of things they need to have that knowledge I think in order to make sense of what they're they're doing yeah indeed um josh food and food production is is obviously central to your messaging how do you address the concerns of those who are issues with certain farming practices uh, meat production and you know there's a story going around about an alpaca at the moment uh, which has got a nice <laughs> shiny face and we all know the reason why the focus is on it do you get any issues with with parents maybe uh, why you take teaching my children this or that because you know it's not good for the climate i wouldn't say i've ever had an issue with a parent or a teacher we often have people with questions which i think is fine and i think the most important thing for us as as the nfu and the education kind of team in the nfu is to be really open and to ask to, if they've got a difficult question you know we'll answer it and one of the one of the big things that we're doing at the end of the day is trying to show the best of British farming that that's what my mandate and that's what the mandate kind of of the whole and if you really as you take if you boil it down in terms of our communications team you know we're trying to, to show off what we do which was fantastic and represent those thousands and thousands of members that we've got and it's actually a real opportunity I, I, I said very near the beginning of the podcast you know all of these children that we work with 
not all of them, in fact, only a tiny percentage of them will ever work in the agricultural industry, mm. just, just by the laws of averages. And, but all of them will eventually become consumers. Yes. And if we can show them, actually, that the high standards we have in this country, and, and it's a lot of what we do is actually showing, you know, the difference between British produce versus rest of the world. And then very much as we're starting to go into secondary, we're looking at how do we get into the, the myth-busting aspect of this. And so just before lockdown started, we'd started a new program training farmers to go and talk to secondary school students um, about farming. And it goes back to that whole role model side of things. If you've never met a farmer and you can, can't ask a farmer these questions and worries, you then snowball, you know, um, Stuart, Stuart Roberts, who's our deputy yeah. president, regularly talks about people just if you don't show people what they don't know or they can't see, they make something up worse in their head. Of <laughs> so we need to actually show them the reality of British farming so that, that they're not coming up with something else in their head. And that's why it goes right back to teaching them from primary about those misconceptions and preconceptions. Because if you can get it there, you're then not having to try and undo all of these things that they've imagined or they've read on, so they've seen on social media or they've read in the press or anything like that. British agriculture has this fantastic ambition to reach net zero by 2040. And a huge amount of our work going forward now is going to be showcasing that. So the last edition of Farm Venture was called Climate Superheroes. Yes. The three tours were actually based about what the farmers were doing to, to try and reach net zero. And we're about to release... Um, a series of three live lessons during COP26 that are going to be for secondary, um, that are going to be very much kind of getting into some of the nitty gritty stuff that you can't do at primary. So things like the carbon cycle, um, looking at biodiversity, looking at how extreme weather is um, affecting farmers. Farmers love talking about weather, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do a whole lesson on that. And actually that's going to look at predominantly at flooding. Um, and what farmers do, kind of how that affects farmers, but also what farmers are doing to alleviate things like that. So it's very much it's telling the story because at the end of the day, if we as farmers don't tell our own story, no one yeah. else is going to do it for us. In, in a way, you're probably fortunate this time because there is so much exciting new technology within farming. Um, you know, the, 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 there's uh, communications and mapping and drones and robotics and so on, all of which is quite exciting stuff to an inquiring mind, presumably. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, I mentioned earlier the, the tours we're doing for the engineering spaces. They are absolutely, when they come out, they're going to blow little minds. Um, yeah, creating crystals in distillation, creating crystals, drones. We've got, uh, we're doing some stuff at the University of Lincoln. We've got little cricket sized robots that monitor the underneath of the canopy. Yes. Um, if anyone tries to, to tell you that farming isn't a massively technical, exciting industry, there's honestly mind blowing. Even my mind is blown. And I, in my yes. last job, I was doing all sorts of different types of engineering, and agriculture was right at the front. Uh, I think you mentioned it earlier on, Josh, but is there enough uh, joined up thinking between all the agencies involved in the field that you're involved in? I mean, obviously, things like Open Farm Sunday and other initiatives. Um, do you tend to all work together to, to a common aim? Yeah, absolutely. And we, we just want to do more and more of that. The report was great that came out in, in May because that gave us opportunity to, to remind people that we were about um and so we brought people together and had kind of a, a big um round table discussion in june that was chaired by minette batters our president yes. and we're just all the time looking collaborate work on things together and equally strategize together you know if leaf are doing something 
um, like Open Farm Sunday or their farmer time project, which is absolutely amazing, getting children to um, FaceTime or Skype with a farmer. We look at how we can support them with that rather than duplicate. Yeah. Or if people are working in one particular area, we'll look at how we can work in a different area. So the HDB, for example, do a lot of work with the British Nutrition Foundation around food education at secondary. So we'll promote their services rather than try and duplicate. And 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 do you get uh, good support from the NFU membership in general to the work that you're doing? Uh, do you get enough, shall I say, volunteers to engage with, with children, with schools and, and so on? Absolutely. I mean, that was the biggest change for me coming from my last job to this. I and mean, we've got thousands and thousands of people who are supportive. And I spoke at I uh, spoke at NFU conference in February 2019, about a month before the pandemic, to, to 3,000. And it was amazing just to be in a room and um, with so much support. And I mean, everything we do at the end of the day as well comes from that membership fee. Um, we have very, very little kind of external, bar the, the money from the Royal Academy of Engineers, everything else has been funded from, from the NFU purse, which at the end of the day is their membership fee. And it's always fantastic to go out all across the country and see what different people are doing on a local level you know they're really appreciative of, of a national structure and initiatives going on but there's so much going on at local level people supporting their local local schools or scouts or guides getting them out on farm for farm walks or to do a talk or go into a school it's fantastic to have that membership base it's, and it's really quite unique um, compared to a lot of other education education roles that i've been in, in the past Indeed. Well, look, Josh, I'm really, that's fantastic. I've really, well, I learned a lot myself, actually, during this, as I do during a lot of these podcasts. So what's written large on your whiteboard, if you've got one, um, for for the future? What, what What's important? Yes, yeah, so definitely looking at expanding out into secondary education. That's going to be a real focus for us in the next year. And it's those next steps after having built a really firm foundation at primary Obviously, the excitement of and, and looking at kind of environmental issues and COP26 coming up. So we've kind of got big plans for that. And how do we we make sure that farming is at the forefront of that? It's a British COP um, happening in the UK. So we need to show actually the fantastic practices happening there. And then, yeah, very much kind of looking at how do we change some of what we do to make sure that it's inclusive, that it kind of we're getting the biggest kind of diversity we can because at the end of the day as an industry we want to become more inclusive we want to become more diverse and if we're going to do that that needs to start very much at that child level you know if we can't put role models in front of children from from different backgrounds different genders different ethnicities to show them that it's possible for them to have a career in agriculture things won't change so it's very much going to be that we put those role models right at the forefront as well uh, look, Josh, can I thank you very much for your for the time today? Uh, uh, it's like painting the fourth bridge, isn't it? Uh, you've got a huge job on your hand. Uh, Emma, uh, you're, you, you used to have STEM, a STEM club run by an outside agency. Uh, does what the sort of things that Josh is saying encourage you to uh, work at developing your own structures and your own curriculum based around STEM subjects within the, the trust? Yeah, definitely. I feel very enthused, actually. Um, and I think that um, as a trust, one of our, we've got three golden threads that we want to run through our curriculum. We're not being prescriptive about what's being taught, but we want to make sure it is um, it's inclusive and have links to the global a global awareness um, and also links to the community. And that very much ties in with 
the things that you've been saying today. And I think it's just really important to um, encourage our children to meet role models. I think that's really stuck with me today is to guess, you know, children, what they don't know, they don't know. So getting, giving them opportunities to meet farmers and to get out there and to be involved in projects is something I've taken away from today. Excellent. Well, look, Josh, I, I wish you well in, in, in going forward. Thank you very much for your time. It's, it's been very instructive and very entertaining, I must say. Thank you very much for having me. That's all right. Thank you. That was fascinating and most encouraging. The NFU are grabbing the opportunity to demonstrate how farming and food production is driven by STEM subjects and in turn is using a STEM agenda to showcase the considerable skills of the UK agricultural sector. Uh, for me, two key messages shone through. First, the importance of role models, using those at the sharp end of food and farming to educate and explain. Second, that initiatives such as tractors in schools is a great introduction, but the role of the tractor needs to be put into context. How it is used and to what effect. Josh hinted that he is already talking to major manufacturers, so we hope it's a case of watch this space. So many thanks to Josh and Emma, and for the sake of disclosure, I should also add that Emma is my eldest daughter with over 30 years teaching experience. So I'm Chris Biddle, thanks for joining me, and this is Inside AgriTurf.